How are you, Jeff? I'm great. It's uh, another sunny day. Not Monday today, but uh, you know, I was getting mixed up because every day, every week, we film on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but today is Wednesday, April fifth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, doing pretty well. You know, it's Easter coming up, so my girlfriend and I, uh, we have some activities planned. But what about you? Uh, my week was okay. I'm starting to get busy, uh, which what this whole market update, I mean, this whole podcast will actually talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, my personal time is getting squeezed tighter and tighter and tighter now. Uh, but aside from that, um, everything else is going well. Now, now, now people can tell, our listeners can tell that it is market update time. So mm-hmm. they probably don't want to listen to our personal life. So talk to me. What is happening in the world of Jeff Chan's real estate world, I guess? Uh, I feel like uh, things have definitely picked up and I feel like over the last two months, every single month we've done a market update, that has been the trend. But really, we're being completely honest when we say that. Like uh, I picked up three new clients in the last two weeks, all looking to buy um, and all pretty much ready to go. Uh, a portion of these are definitely people who just recently got their PR um, or who are moving back to Vancouver. And again, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have been hearing... Um, a lot more multiple offer situations, both in detached houses as well as condos, which was interesting to me. Very, very, very interesting. And just to add on what you said, everything that you said goes double with me. It just mm-hmm. it's a lot busier. I had a really I mean, we had a really busy March. I mean, me and you, I think we did like six deals or something like that for the month yeah. of March. Great. Um, so obviously things are definitely going. Um, when I have some listings, it's been great, it sells quickly. Uh, I'm obviously having a little bit more trouble with the buyers, which will explain why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, definitely the the month of March has definitely been quite busy for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So for has- anyone who is lo- listening to our February update, uh, mm-hmm. I remember Joe, you were extremely hopeful for March. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like uh, March has panned out. Uh, would you say meets your expectations or exceeded your expectations in February? I would say it, ex- it meet my expectation. It, it hasn't gone to another overdrive level where I'm kind of like, well, God, oh my God, what is what is this 2021? What is happening again? Right? Yeah. It's not through there, but it is at a good, healthy pace. So don't want to expel too much beans. So why don't we get through all the numbers as per usual? And then let's talk about it in full detail about why all of this is happening, why we're saying what we are saying at the end of the podcast. Okay, why don't you start us off? Perfect. Sales activity, as per usual. For the month of March of 2023, we had a total of 2,535 homes sold. That is a 42.5% decrease from last year's March, which is almost the peak of the market. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that it's actually a 40% increase from last month. Huge. Mm -hmm. That being said, the overall sales activity, it is still 28.4% lower than the seasonal average. Mm-hmm. On a 10-year seasonal average, we should be selling about 3,500 homes. Wow. I can't wait to hear more about why. Um, <laughs> moving on to price. So our benchmark price at relatively stable at $1,143,900. Mm-hmm. Although this is a 9.5% decrease from March of 2022, duh, that was the peak of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still had a 1.8% increase from February. So mm-hmm. I guess that's where it meets your expectations. That's right. And if I remember correctly, this is now the second month in sorry, second month in the row that our app prices actually has increased in comparison to the last month. Correct. Right? 
All right, so let's talk about inventory. Now I'm gonna break it down. Monthly inventory for the month of March of 2023, we have 4,317 newly listed homes. That is a 35.5% decrease compared to last year's March. However, it is a 24.5% increase of in, uh, new listings in comparison to last month. That being said, this 4,317 new listed homes, it is still 22.3% lower than our 10-year seasonal average. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about total, at the end of March, we had a total of 8,617 homes uh, on the market, which is a 8.1% increase compared to last year, March, and it's actually a 9.5% increase in uh, total inventory compared to last month. Mm -hmm. That being said, it is our total inventory is still 17.3% lower than the 10 year seasonal average. Seems to be a trend. <laughs> that this is going to be a big part of our talking point, but let's continue. Yeah. And uh, moving on to sales to active ratio, which definitely reflects all the numbers that you've shared. We're sitting at 30.7% for all property types, 23.3% for detached homes. 36.7% for townhomes and 34.9% for condos. Now, please pay special attention to these numbers because uh, we will be going into it a little bit deeper later on in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Changing gears a little bit to rental, uh, the average rent in the greater Vancouver area uh, went up by $55 for an unfurnished one-bedroom unit to $2,263. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we did see the one, two, and three bedrooms in Vancouver uh, drop, but all the areas are still seeing increases in rent. What does this all mean, Joe? Well, let's get started. All right. For anyone that skipped over all of that, you just missed five minutes of some good information. There are some nuggets in there that we recommend that you scroll back and listen it out. Joe's Done. just trying to increase our uh, watch duration on YouTube. <laughs> and if you guys don't even watch us on YouTube, you should by now. You should. You should. You want to see our faces when we do this. We're nervous as hell. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, all jokes aside. Let's get started about what's happening here. Um, before I even get started about what we think, let's just read what Andrew Les, our director of economics at the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, what he thinks. Mm -hmm. Quote, on the pricing side, the spring market uh, is already on track to outpace our 2023 forecast, which anticipated modest price increase for about 1% to 2% across all product types. Blah, blah, blah. And it continues. The surprising part of this recent activity is that these price increases are occurring against a backdrop of elevated borrowing costs, below average sales, and new listing activities that continues to suggest that the sellers are awaiting for more favorable market conditions. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get right into what we think. Uh, first point, like what we said when we uh, before we got right into the numbers, we've been talking about this multiple offer for like a couple of months now. Now it's just very nice to finally be able to put it on a report on numbers and tell people, hey, by the way, the multiple offer thing is happening and the lowest part of the market was probably several months ago. Yeah, it's not just you and I, Joe and Jeff coming up with this out of our ass. Like now this is like a professional quote <laughs> who is saying the exact same thing. Exactly, exactly. Now let's talk, let's just go quickly go back to Andrew's comment there. How is it possible that our sales activities is 42.5% less than last year and 28.4% lower than the 10 year seasonal average, yet our prices are going up? 
Mm -hmm. Well, really, honestly, at least this is what UBC taught me is that if we look at it from a simple microeconomic uh, factor, if transactions is reduced, but prices are going up, this really points to one thing. That just means that our supply is not keeping up with whatever kind of demand that's out there and buyers are limited by their choice. Okay. Now, let's just break this number down. Let's take a look. For March, we were 22.3% less than the 10-year average. That means that this March, we should have had 6,000 new listings. What did mm -hmm. I say? For uh, We have 4,317. So we're literally almost 2,000 new listings short. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, on top of that, uh, where, uh, yeah, on top of that, our total inventory is also 17.3% below the 10-year seasonal average. What that really means is that our total inventory should be sitting somewhere north of 10,000 homes on the market right now. Mm -hmm. okay? So what I'm trying to say is this all adds up to means that there is a huge lack of new inventory. Hence, that's what Andrew says, you know, sellers are waiting for a more favorable market condition. Um, and this situation has already gone up for a couple of months. So it's not like all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're offering in a low inventory environment. We've been in this low inventory environment for many, many months already. So basically what you're saying is that the pizza shop owners are not making pizzas and have not been making pizzas for a couple months now. Not making enough pizzas. Maybe there is only, like taking that analogy back to last <laughs> month, right? Maybe he's only pumping out a hundred pizzas a day when the demand or the 10 year seasonal average for him is that he should be pumping out 230 pizzas a day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Now that's what, to continue, so that's why, that's why whenever that there is a good home that comes onto the market, because there's not a lot of those, you would expect that a lot of buyers will go straight into the good ones and they'll try to bid on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and another point I, I just wanted to make is that even at 8,000 something listings, we got to understand that a lot of those listings, the seller are not being realistic and they're still expecting 2021 prices, yes. which obviously is a huge waste of a lot of people's time. So what that really means is that, yeah, we have about 8,800 total inventory, but the ones that is actually true for people to be able to pick is significantly less than that because we have a lot of inventories on uh, on MLS that you're just kind of like, why is this here for like 300 something days? Oh, they're trying to ask for a price when our interest rate was at 1%, not at 7%. Yes. And we did talk about this a little bit more in depth in other episodes of like, you know, the seller expectation and the buyer expectation of how sellers want the price of yesterday and buyers want the price of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And really, it's the job of the agents to bridge these two parties. And if we have a bunch of listing agents who are telling these sellers, yeah, we can get these prices. Well, hey, no surprise. That's why we see the listings that have been sitting on the market for 180 days, 220 days, and or they've gone through like five different price decreases since last year. And the mm -hmm. property, although it shows well, still isn't selling because they're not priced by today's um, market price. They're still thinking about yesterday. Right. So we just have a lot less supply than mm -hmm. what is actually even shown. Yeah. And I do want to talk about, you know, an another indication of how the market has heated up is the sales to active ratio, which I mentioned a little bit earlier when we we're talking about our numbers. Mm -hmm. Let's kind of take a look at the three month sales to active ratio side by side. Um, you know, we'll have a picture of that here. If you guys yep. are just listening, please make sure you tune into YouTube so you can uh, see this chart um, in its entirety. 
-hmm. Looking at January, we were seeing 10.2% for houses, 13.4% for townhouses, and 16.7% for condos. In February, we started seeing an increase, 16.8% for houses, 30.1% for townhouses, and 25.8% for condos. Now, most recent numbers in March, we again saw an increase in all three product types, 23.3% for detached houses, 36.7% for townhomes, and 34.9% for condos. Mm -hmm. You can literally see month-to-month increases for all product types. And Mm -hmm. what does this all mean? Well, as a reminder, um, over a sustained period of time, anything over 20% or more is a seller's market. Mm-hmm. Anything between 12 and 19% is a balanced market, which is ideally where we want to be at. And mm-hmm. anything below 12% will indicate a buyer's market. So yes. judging by the trajectory from January to March, it looks like we are shifting from a buyer's market back to a seller's market. So please pay attention to these numbers for the next three months. If we continue to see them hovering at where they are right now, well, we all know what that means. There's going to be yep. more bidding situations. Probably. And if you want me to guess, I'm thinking that these numbers will start to increase still. Right hmm. now, I think our listener gets it. I want to change the channel a little bit from the supply side. There's just a lack of inventory, guys. That's what we're trying to say. But even on the demand side, uh, it's causing uh, the prices to increase for a particular reason. I mean, I'm just going to name a couple of things. I mean, we mm. talked about this many times, like, you know, in terms of demand, how about our supercharged immigration program? You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people coming in. I don't need to, you know, remind people about our goals. It's a million people by 2025. Like, yes. it's, it's a lot of people. Now, on top of that, how about the people that's returning to North America after all these COVID craziness that has happened around the world, right? Mm-hmm. I was actually just watching the news and I was surfing YouTube and stuff like that. There was this super interesting uh, news article that came out this morning is that um, they found that in the last three months in 2023, there were 42 Chinese migrants that are sneaking into the US through the Mexico border. 42 okay? or 4,200? 4,200, sorry, 4,200. Holy Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is obviously very interesting. Uh, I don't want to get into the politics of it. I'm just talking about the numbers. We're having people from across the Pacific Ocean electively go into Colombia or Mexico, take the hard trek up to, I don't know, California, Texas, what have you, and then smuggle themselves through the borders. That's crazy. that is dramatic things that is actually happening. Now, this is for people who are desperate of a new environment. Think mm-hmm. about the people who has the financial capability just to leave. And if they, they do leave from where they come from, where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go to a place where there is a lot more freedom because once again, they just came from a massive COVID-19 lockdown or which like whatever the government was doing from their uh, initial countries. And they just felt like the North American culture and the way that North American people dealt with it is more in line with what they like, mm-hmm. right? So well, I can't put a figure on that, but just imagine 4,200 people are doing it illegally. How many mm-hmm. people are doing it Legally, I would think at least like triple or five times that amount, because there is still a lot of people who have the means and resources to leave China. Yeah, like it's crazy because I'm just thinking about like, like smuggling yourself from Mexico up to the States. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. People, people lose their life doing it. And there's already confirmed 4,200 
Chinese migrants that's willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. That tells you a lot, right? So I'm just going to leave it at that. The next thing that I think is also going to increase um, uh, demand is how about all the banking problems that we've been hearing with bank runs and stuff like that. I don't want to keep going back to Silicon Valley Bank, right? But mm -hmm. I am actually having people talking to people who are actually starting to get really worried because they did a bit of a research on their bank and their bank is highly exposed to long-term bonds as well. So now they're not having all the full confidence in their bank and they want to start diversifying. So what they're going to do, they're obviously going to buy something that's going to retain value. So what is that? That's gold, that's silver, mm -hmm. and obviously mm -hmm. that's real estate. Yes. And that's why I think there's a lot of people that you're hearing is like, oh yeah, like I'm an investor. I'm thinking about buying into real estate again, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, is, is it because they're seeing a bright future for real estate? Maybe, but maybe another reason is because like, you know, the money is no good in the bank and they're starting to lose confidence in the whole banking system. Mm -hmm. I really pray that doesn't go down that badly, but I am starting to hear from a little bit as well. Right. So all these, I think all these increase um, in activities is also very in line with the rental prices still being very, very elevated. Obviously yes. that tells you people are still coming in. In fact, like, you know, like what you said, it actually went back. Uh, it actually increased a little bit last month. So yeah. once again, yeah. We're just trying to say is that, you know, even though, some renters has decided to jump into the buying pool, like what we said in the uh, market update last month. But there's easily a, like a bunch of other people that will replace those people who got into home ownership away from renting. Yes. Right? And I mean, everything so, that we've talked about so far on this podcast ties it together. Like the points that you mentioned were all very, very, like I think on point. We completely forgot about another group of people who are just migrating from province to province like i think in the last week i've talked to at least five or six people and i know you've talked to at least five or six people who are maybe moving here from montreal from calgary they're selling their acreages and they want to come back into vancouver mm -hmm. there's still a large number of those people that might not statistically be on any spreadsheet yet yeah. so mm -hmm. you have so many different groups of people fighting for um an area which is in short supply. We had already have low housing. So even though, yes, there are people who are jumping back into the market and looking to buy homes, there is still such a huge demand for people who are either waiting for their PR, maybe they are waiting for a transfer of funds. They still need a roof over their head and somewhere to live. Right. Right. Now, diving into a little bit more of the rental market, we can see that since April of 2022, the average rent for an unfurnished one-bedroom unit in Metro Vancouver actually rose by $355 or 18.61%. Mm -hmm. If you were to ask me, I honestly feel like it's way more of an increase than just $355. I swear to God, a one-bedroom uh, condo in downtown used to be like $1,800, $1,900, and now it's saying that um, the average unfurnished one bedroom unit is going for $2,800. Like who can pay for that? That's like almost an $80,000 a year salary in order to afford that and still have a life. Um, yep. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's very, very true. I, I did not, when you're talking about this, it just reminded me when I was in my twenties, I was renting a one bedroom for 1200. Yeah. And I was already like, Man, this is tough. <laughs> yeah, and you imagine you're like more than double since now. You go up to like 150%. Like imagine trying to do that now and your wage has gone up, what, $5 an hour? <laughs> like, come on, it's like so unrealistic. So for everyone who's listening who maybe feels like, hey, they've been struggling a little bit um, in the rental market, you're not alone. Like most of Vancouver, whoever's in the rental market is. Um, what's most surprising about these recent April numbers is that Burnaby this month had the most expensive rent per square footage, um, yeah. averaging at three 
$3.88 a square foot, with Vancouver being a close second at $3.80, followed by North Vancouver and Richmond at $3.35 and $3.18. Still quite expensive. Um, Regarding the uh, active listings, though, it looks like Condos still make up for 77, um, almost 77.5% of the active listings, mm-hmm. 45.5% of those being two bedrooms and 39.5% being one bedrooms. This was a little bit surprising to me. I expected there to be more one bedrooms uh, units to be active. However, I think you and I had a conversation which made sense is that uh, most of the one bedrooms, they aren't on the market for long because most people are looking towards that. And uh, you also mentioned that two bedroom condos are also a little bit harder to rent out, which is why uh, they may be on the market for a little bit longer. Right, right. Of course, because you could split the one bedroom, let's say 2830 uh, for Mm -hmm. downtown one bedroom, you split into two, that's about 1400 each. Okay, that's doable. Right. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about two bedrooms, you know, you split that, you're talking about almost 1600, 1700, or even, yeah, it's probably even 1800 per person. And mm-hmm. now that gets a little bit more harder for people. Yeah. Right. It's been a tough situation for everyone. And, you know, I won't go too much more in detail about rent, but the, I'll kind of wrap it up with, um, again, highlighting what the top five most expensive cities to rent in is in Canada. Mm-hmm. For those of you who've been keeping up to date with our market updates, you know that traditionally over the last six months uh, has always been um, Vancouver cities. Mm-hmm. And um, it's mostly true. In the month of March, West Vancouver was number one. Vancouver was number two, North Vancouver, number three, followed by Burnaby, number four. However, in the number five spot, which Richmond and Burnaby were kind of fighting for, has been replaced by Markham on Ontario um, at $2,353. No, we wanted all the top five places. No, I'm just. Joking. Yeah, no, this is like a list <laughs> that we definitely don't want to be. <laughs> but you know what? It is what it is. We make the best uh, do with what we got. So, um, People are still spending about 39, almost 40% of their income on rent. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we hear the struggle. If you're someone who's been paying rent and you're frustrated and you want to explore other options, come talk to us. Maybe it is time for you to start that pre-approval process and start looking at uh, home. So you're paying towards your own mortgage as opposed to someone else's. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, ultimately, um, I think now that we know that even at this elevated interest rate, people are willing to buy out of necessity, right? Mm -hmm. So and on top of that, increasing inventory at this point is way too late. You know, we talk about pre-sell, they're not going to get completed till 2029, 2026, 2027. So like, you know, when we say boosting inventory. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. In fact, it's not even going to be something that happens this year. Mm -hmm. It's a long-term thing and we're way too late on that. So unless something dramatically happens in our world economy again, or if the Bank of Canada decides to raise interest rate, which I highly doubt it, there is just no space for it. I would say that we should be expecting a really busy rest of the year for 2023. Yes, and I agree. And at this point, you know, we always want to make a disclosure. I'm sure everyone who's listening is thinking, Joe, Jeff, what does this mean for me as a buyer? What does mm. this mean for me as a seller? Yep. Yes, the market being hot is great for sellers. However, mm-hmm. don't forget about the elevated interest rate. So at a certain point, people's affordability will come into play and it will get in the way of what they can and cannot buy. They mm-hmm. may want to spend a million dollars on this two-bedroom condo. However, the bank may only be willing to give them $800,000. So please keep that in mind. 
although the market is heating up, yes, we're seeing multiple offers. Yes, the prices are relatively steady. And, you know, some properties are selling over asking price. We are not expecting COVID-19 2021 to 2022 style of price increases as money is not free to borrow anymore. Right. This is, of course, great news for anyone who wants to sell. However, if you're someone who's looking to buy, things are not bleak. It's a great time to get ready and have your finances all sorted out. That is the most important piece of this puzzle. Mm-hmm. If you can go into an offer without the financing subject, it'll be a much smoother and stress-free process for you. So our or my best recommendation for you is get your finances in order so that you may even put an offer on a on a property and mm-hmm. get it accepted before it even goes into a bidding process after the open houses. Make sure that you are working with an agent who's proactive at finding you the properties that are truly what interests you the most so mm-hmm. that time is of the essence and you don't drag your feet. Because if you drag your feet and you run into a multiple offer situation, only God can help you at that point. Right, right, right. Uh, I love the way that you concluded and summarized the whole podcast. It's you know, for the both the buyers and the listeners. So that way they can at least go home with a soundbite and then know exactly what they need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I always say with that, we are going to conclude today's podcast. Yes. And, uh, thank but- you so much for listening. Um right. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we always have a year and we still can nail this. My name is Joe. My name is Jeff. Uh, we're yeah. the Mike for Vancouver Real Estate. We really, really appreciate uh, the support that you give us. Please like, comment, subscribe. It'll really help us with the algorithm. Share this episode with someone who you think would benefit from this information. And we will see you next time for a brand new episode. Take care. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.